I am Lucas Mack, and I'm on a mission to see the hurting get healed and the healed go out and heal others in order for all of us to experience the true love and light we desire. This podcast is me sharing my journey with you so you don't feel alone in your journey. Welcome to the Golden Rule Revolution. Hello, my brothers and sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Golden Rule Revolution. I am Lucas Mack. Thank you for joining. Today, I have Justin Atherton on the show. He is a former detective and SWAT police officer, and we talk about a lot of different things from his view of law enforcement and all the narratives that came up in 2020 around that to helping people with emotional intelligence. I have the honor of being on a summit that he is hosting that's coming up. So you don't want to miss that. And this is just a great conversation for people to hear from someone that's on the other side of the veil of law enforcement, apart from all the narrative from the media, you get to hear from someone first person. So Justin, thank you for coming on and brothers and sisters. Enjoy. Brother. Welcome on the podcast. Welcome yeah. on the podcast. How you doing? Thanks, man. I'm good, man. I'm good. What 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 are we, what are we going to focus on, Lucas? I know that we, that we can go a couple different ways, but man, we're gonna just free flow. Going, just free flow. You know, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. All right. I'm good with it. <laughs> Co-create together uh, the beauty, man. But first of all, I really appreciate you having me on your your summit that's coming out, and it's going to help a lot of. I mean, you've collected probably the most powerful men on the planet um yeah i like it man it's it's so. a pretty powerful group man it is um so brother i just mentioned you know your quote unquote pedigree in the intro and ex- explaining who you are but you know walk us through tell us about wh- where you grew up and and how you got into police officer but also serving men and helping helping men sure yeah, well, we're going way back there, right? So, well, I, I grew up in in Southern California near Long Beach. Um, I don't really claim it anymore. I've been in Texas for over twenty years, so I claim this is my home now. That's so, great. that's great. Um, law enforcement. What's funny is I never grew up wanting to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. I remember wanting to be a lawyer, and actually, at one point, wanted to be the president of the United States. And uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember actually calculating it out at one point. I was like. If I, and I think it should have been 2016, if I would have ran in 2016, I would have, I would have beat JFK as the youngest president ever by like a few months. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I remember calculating that out at one point and I was like, okay, but no, I do not want that job any longer. Um, it's a, that's a whole different aspect that we won't go into, Right. but, um, Started working uh, when I moved to Texas, started working in the prison system, worked my way up to being a supervisor, uh, worked in gang intelligence for a while. Uh, then I realized in doing the investigations in, in that arena, I was like, man, I, I want to, you know, what's the next step up, which is being a police officer. And then um, once becoming a police officer, it was it was always like, what else can I do? I moved pretty quick, you know, um, right off the bat. Um, I was, I was very productive. I was able to become a training officer after a couple of years, joined a SWAT team after a couple of years. 
and even uh, became a detective after only a short time. I think I was four years in patrol before I became a detective and then um, was, was a detective for a few years before I promoted back to patrol being a supervisor. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's where, that's where my law enforcement journey took me. And I really found that the training aspect was where my passion was at, you know, whether it was, training the officers one-on-one or being a supervisor and having a, you know, a whole shift of guys to be able to impart my knowledge on. Yeah. And um, it, it's always, it's always a weird thing when you look at leadership skills, because I'm still involved in teaching leadership skills and interview skills to law enforcement. And for the, the majority there, they are skills that you can develop and learn. And there's a very small percentage of people that are really born natural leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I can't really say where I fell, but it was, it was always just innate to me to be able to like, I want to help people up. Like whenever I was got into a, a position of advantage, I'm like, man, I want to help the people below me get to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not going to be here forever. I may scoop myself on up and then I'm just going to pull people up with me. Right. You know, that was always my vision. And um, so I, I you know, at one point in my career, I was, um, I was like, what else can I do, man? Like, what, like, how else can I, can I serve the people out there? And I I went through, um, I went through some, uh, actually a difficult time in my career. I was forced to resign from the first uh, police agency I worked for because of some allegations of insubordination. Mm. And uh, we, we won't go into the details of that, but it had nothing to do with with being a police officer on the street. It was all in-house with with administration. And and for a, a short time there, I was, I was struck with the idea that I may not be able to continue on in this career. Mm. And I had this identity crisis. I was like, man, this is all I know. This is all I can do. Like I am a police officer. This is how I labeled myself. Right. And so, you know, I got struck with, you know, some depression and, and I was like, like I was lost. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, where am I going to go from here? And then a light bulb came on and it was like, hang on, dude, look at all the, the skills and techniques you've learned along the way. And I sat there and I was like, and I can do whatever the hell I want. I'm like, in whatever field I get thrown into, like, I'm going to succeed because that's who I am. It's not, I am a police officer. It's like, look, I, I'm a leader. I am persistent. I have integrity, you know, honesty. Right. So it's, it's, um, the identity piece is, is very interesting to me. And, and I think that's what made a huge shift for me. And I did get back into law enforcement, uh, for a few years and it was, I took it as it, it almost at a, at a different approach, yeah. but that's, that's when I started my business as well. And I was like, like all these, these realizations that I had, I was like, I need to share this with as many people as I can. And so that's what really stemmed me to create my business confidence unchained to work with men one-on-one and, uh, and give them these, these tools and techniques, man, to, to learn how to be you know, a badass and have peak performance in every aspect of their life. So that's awesome. And it was kind of a long story there, Lucas. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. (laughs) uh, Cause a lot of guys don't shift from that, that ego um, hit on their identity of their career. So there's a lot of Mm -hmm. men that commit suicide 
you know, there's the highest statistic of suicides are men. And it's in yeah. that range of age where, you know, the career isn't, who are they apart from what they're known, seen, adored, how they provide, whatever that is. So yeah. you made a massive shift. What, what have you, I mean, the law enforcement, I mean, that's who wasn't talking about law enforcement in 2020 and everyone, you know, like everyone had a view of yeah. law enforcement, but what was your observation being in it and, and also being a leader and helping, you know, not coming from that victim mindset, but responsibility and accountability. What was your perspective on just the entire narrative of where people were missing the. the yeah. It, it, process, yeah. It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sad thing to think about because, you know, looking at it from the inside and the repercussions of what happened w within the law enforcement world, it, it was a big hit on morale mm. because, a lot of these guys and, and, and ladies that are in law enforcement, they got into it for good reasons. Yeah. Like I know of no one that got into law enforcement saying, I want to go shoot somebody. Like that's, that's not what happens, right? No one joins the military saying, I want to shoot somebody. Um, but somehow the, the narrative got shifted to that, that all cops are, are killers and then they go out of their way to, to do this stuff. And it's uh really what it, what it makes me see is that a lot of people don't think for themselves mm. and, and it's, it's a, it's a difficult thing to swallow and, and the people that are in the mix with it and, and going along with this narrative that they don't want to believe that either. They're like, no, I did think for myself. I listened to, you know, all the news channels and I decided right. what I, what I wanted to, yeah. <laughs> what I wanted to, you know, piece together as my opinion, but it's, you know, you, you could throw a lot of different, you know, scenarios out there. You know, when there when there was a big scandal of Catholic priests, you know, uh, sleeping with young boys, were they burning down all the churches and saying that all priests are bad? No, that didn't happen. Or, or if you see teachers that have inappropriate relationships with students, are we burning down? Uh, you know, schoolhouses and, you know, saying that all teachers should be banned. Mm. No, that doesn't happen. But, you know, one or two police officers do something bad and then every single police officer is bad and we should burn down the police departments and, and uh, abolish the police. Right. So it's, it's an interesting um, perspective to have. And uh, to me, it comes, it, it just seems like it's a lot of ignorance, but yeah, I think that's a great, I've not even thought of it like that. And, and I wrote a book in 2013 that, that one of the points that I make in it and what I say in the book is content without context is a very dangerous thing. And yeah. what you just gave was context to put content in its place. Like that's a really important perspective that you just shared. Like, yeah. Are you claiming all priests are bad or you can't, you shut down the Catholic church, defund, you know, whatever it is. That's a, that's a really important point. When, so for you growing up, like, like what led you to have that switch over just the innate clicking of thinking for yourself and not just go, I mean, you have to have, from my perspective, being a police officer in law enforcement and I was a sure. journalist for a long time and work, you know, I knew all the, you know, definitely the, Sergeant, whoever's going to talk on camera and we'd have a good sure, report sure. and stuff, but there's a sense of cynicism. There's a sense of like default. All right. What, what are you telling me? And then what are you really telling me type 
lens that most law enforcement sure. officers have. And I get that. But where did you develop that growing up? You know, I, I'd probably, I'd, I have to give that um, to my, my dad because, mm-hmm. you know, he always, he always made me think through something. It was, it was, it was never take anything at surface value. There's always something else to it. Right. Yeah. And, and don't believe something just because somebody told you, you know, can we verify this information? Mm. And so, you know, the, the conversations that, that him and I, I had growing up, it was more about, you know, thinking for yourself. He never wanted me to be part of the crowd or to just do something because my friends did it. Yeah. And I, that always stuck with me, you know, as, as a teenager. I don't think I realized it at the time, mm. but, uh, you know, thinking back, um, that was definitely that was definitely something that people knew me to be like, Justin's going to do his own thing. Like, regardless of what my close friends are doing, they might be doing some really dumb stuff right next to me. And I'm like, oh, that's cool guys. I'm going to sit over here and just watch because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was always something that stuck with me. That's, that's a great, that's a, what a gift to have that. And then sure. we go through what we just did is it for the year. When you're helping men and you're coaching, what is there a specific theme that guys struggle with the most that you've seen? Mm, yes, 100%. And um, it, it's, it's a funny thing because no one, ever, no one ever comes to me with this and say, I have this problem here, help me fix it. But anyone that comes to me has that problem and I help them fix it. <laughs> and it, it has to do with their emotional intelligence or lack thereof. And it's, it's a funny thing because, you know, men, men are told that we're not allowed to have emotions yep. and it's, it leads to us not having a well-developed emotional vocabulary, which, you know, is the foundation for your emotional intelligence and your self-awareness of yourself, which then leads to managing your own emotions, which, which then leads to the next level, which is understanding other people's emotions and then managing their emotions. Mm-hmm. So without the foundational steps in place, you're never going to be successful in those areas of your life because y- your foundation is, is built on sand. And it's not just men that are told that emotions are bad because men are told you're not allowed to have emotions, but women are told you have too many emotions. Mm -hmm. So our society as a whole just labels emotions as bad things. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember having this idea, like when I was a young man, I was, I thought I could keep a lid on my emotions. I'm like, I have complete control Mm -hmm. over my emotions and if I ever let any emotion slip out, if I ever got sad, if I ever got angry, I was like, damn it, I messed up. Mm. I let that one slip out. And now I look back and laugh at myself because now I know the science and the brain science behind it, the physiological sensations of emotions that we cannot control from happening. Yeah. Now I laugh at how ignorant I was to the emotional responses in our body because the emotions that we have are involuntary responses to our environment. Yeah. Energy and motion, right? It's yeah. just, yeah, it's the energy feeling that moving through us. But then yeah. there's feelings and feelings. I, I always categorize feelings are not emotions. They're not. And they can be real, but they don't mean they're true. This is a big reality does not equate morality. So someone could feel something is happening when it's not mm. happening 
or you know I, I, that's just one example but it's how i differentiate that. the two um so emotions are just the it, first we actually feel the emotions in our body first mm-hmm. and I, I know you know this lucas so i'm speaking to the audience we it's a physiological sensation our body experiences the emotion before our cognitive brain catches up and realizes what's going on and the feelings is after we realize we had an emotion, whether fear, anger, now we start thinking about the emotions that we had. And now when we start having thoughts about these emotions, that's what creates these feelings because, oh, this person made me feel angry. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like this person. I'm angry at this person now. And now I feel angry at this person for insulting me when right. it was like, okay, you know. <laughs> So the feelings are a choice. The emotions are not a choice. Right. I want to write this down. This is good. <laughs> that's good because that's, that's a really good way to, yeah, the feelings, they are a choice. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's all perception and then the thinking through and there's ju- feelings are really based in judgment where the emotion just is. Right. Yeah. But you could, you could literally choose to feel happy though, too. So it's like you could be driving down the street in a neutral state because it is possible to just be in a state with, with no emotions. Yeah. And you can just be like, no, I'm, I want to, I'm going to turn happy on. Hmm. And you, yeah. you, you get a little bit of a, it doesn't, you don't have to be cheesing, right. but it's just that little bit of a, a faint smile. And you're like, you sit up a little bit straighter and take a good deep breath. And you're like, all right, I just turned happy on. I chose to feel happy. You know, so it's not just the negative emotions that we choose. We're, we're also able to choose a positive emotion. Yeah. And, and I, I say positive and negative emotions because that's what people are used to expressing emotions in. I do not believe that emotions are positive or negative. I believe that emotions are either useful or not useful mm. based on the context of the situation. Yeah, that's a good reframe. I, I refrain. I like that. And if people, the good or bad, right or wrong, um, those don't serve our highest self anyway, like useful or not useful. I say healthy or unhealthy. Like what's the most sure. healthy emotion, joy, gratitude, like these feelings of like whatever, but it's not wrong to feel yeah. a lower vibrational emotion. It just is. And well, I, I, I like useful because the, it, it all depends on the context because right. we, we've all had a, had a close miss on the freeway driving down the street before. Right. So someone cuts you off fear triggers, mm-hmm. right? You hit the brakes, you swerve out of the way, you slow down. All of that happened subconsciously. The fear emotion hits you and your brain knew what to do to avoid the accident. Right. Well, what comes next? Anger. So now you're angry at the person that cut you off. You're like this, and this is more of a feeling probably, but this inconsiderate person, he should have known that I was here and he's a piece of crap and da da da. So the fear was useful to help you avoid the accident. But now you have this anger over here, which is not useful. You're just in your car shaking your fist. And it's like, what, what are, we, what are you doing? <laughs> or other things. <laughs> or other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finger, fist, you know, yeah, right. But then you shift it to a situation to where you're getting mugged. That fear and anger are going to help you fight off your attacker in order to get away or or to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, both fear and anger would be a useful emotion. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're sitting in the back row of a funeral and laughing, 
that happiness probably isn't useful in that context. Yeah, that's great. Dude, that's so such a good, par- that's a great perspective. I love that useful. Yeah. Where, where like, where'd you come up with that? Or how, what, what were you processing where you thought that? I, it it had to be throughout. So in, in the, the interview and leadership classes we teach, we focus really heavily on the emotional intelligence and going through a, a tool called the emotional matrix. And I, I think it came up from people asking questions because if we look at the emotional matrix, it's based off the seven universal emotions that we express in the face. Mm. And these are regardless of race, color, gender, creed, wherever you are on the planet, we all express these seven emotions in our face. And it's happiness, sadness, fear, surprise, anger, contempt, and disgust. And now normally people would go, well, happiness is the only positive emotion. Their surprise could be happy. It could be neutral, but it's like, you're like, why is there only one positive emotion? And I'm looking at, I'm like, screw positive. Like positive is subjective. Yeah. It's context of, yeah. If you're getting, yeah, dude, this is so good. I And so it, it's like, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, it's not like lopsided. Like there's only, you know, one happy, you know, emotion or one positive emotion. It's like, it's about usefulness. And, and, and how you use it in your daily life and, and in different situations that you come across day to day. That's where I often talk about it's and not or. Mm. Because that or world, like this or that, good or bad, yeah. A, keeps us shackled to someone else's opinion and keeps us in shame or guilt or whatever, self-beat up. Sure. But and, it's like, no, it's that and <laughs> – this and if i have to you know physically move on someone that's appropriate in that context if it's the right situation and um one of my buddies a medically retired seal and he was the first one to share with me that um all sorts of different exercises have replicated this but we're i was counting the dancing couples in the room and then a gorilla like comes through oh yeah it's like moving you know moving his body like i this. love that one and yeah. I never, the first time i never saw it and it pissed me off because i <laughs> i grew up with a head on a swivel so i thought oh i'm really good but here i was trying to i had so much like he's a navy seal he's giving me that and i'm like yeah. trying to really count well that wasn't the point <laughs> you know and that was context and it was yeah. <laughs> so situational awareness is tied i think a lot to also emotional intelligence to have mm-hmm. the ability to decipher what yeah. it is before what i do with that yeah i i love i love that you brought up the awareness part because it it it's true that self-awareness is so important because you feel what's going on in your body and you're like okay i'm i'm angry right now or i'm anxious yeah and it's like what do I want to do with this? Am I going to use this as fuel? Because is this right for the context? And I'm going to use this emotion as fuel, or do I need to realize that this is not useful in this moment? Yeah. Right. So, and and that aspect, I, I love this idea, and and this is something that uh, Tony Blauer talks a lot about. He was he's been in personal defense for over 45 years, and he talks about using fear as fuel, mm. and because most of us um, avoid fear. We think it's a bad thing. And we're like, no, I'm afraid. I don't want to be afraid. It's bad to be afraid. I'm weak if I'm afraid. 
that it's ridiculous, man. And you talk to any of these guys, you know, being, being on the SWAT team, any of the, the SEAL guys, right? That there is fear when yep. you are heading into a mission, there is fear there. It's not debilitating fear to where you're panicked and terrified. There's a there's a level of anxiety. There's a level of worry because you're you're processing everything. What if this goes wrong? Then this. Okay. Well, what's Plan B? If if this happens, then this. Mm-hmm. So the fear in that moment is fuel to help your brain process things and go. Okay. Yes. And you can you can use it towards your goal rather than seeing it as a barrier to getting to your goal. Right. That's powerful. The um, two things that come up from that one is thinking, I think about most men and suicide. Cause I, you know, you know, my story I shared with you and, and uh, you know, I've attempted suicide and I was at that place where I didn't have the, I would use the words healing, but I didn't have the options or the understanding of what, you know, a healthy, healthier perspective was, but we give the congressional medal of honor to heroes in the battlefield for showing bravery and courage. And you can only show bravery and courage when you have fear yeah, and still go forward. <laughs> Not the fearless person. Those are usually sociopaths. If someone's fearless, yeah. that's a psycho. That's well, you, you're either a sociopath or you're too stupid to realize that there's yeah. a lot of danger ahead. Right. Yeah. Keep away from both. <laughs> stay away. Stay, uh, steer clear from both of those. And that, also getting back to the guys, you know, choosing sadly to opt out of this world is they haven't been given. And I think intentionally so just to keep humans in this matrix fog system of performance and doing uh, without choice, without really a sovereign choice. But man, the fact that this isn't being taught, this conversation that even just your perspective isn't taught from a very elementary school level up to children yes, and it should and it be. becomes a, a secondary program we're going to bring a program to school like what else would we be teaching children besides reading writing and arithmetic and sovereignty of self and knowing how to use the body and emotions and mind and heart and all yeah. that we have so I'm like i teach this teaching. to my daughter man i like i te- like she's nine she's gonna have such a leg up Cause I'm giving to her everything I didn't have. Right. And she's going to be a little badass because she's going to be able to handle anything <laughs> that comes her way. I love it. And you know, I work on the emotional intelligence with her. I, I work on some other things, some micro expressions and some little, you know, stuff that, that we normally are only shared for law enforcement, but she, she gets the, the perks of that. But um, <laughs> that's good. It's uh <laughs> you know, speaking of this, right. Sorry to cut you off and speak and facial expressions. So, my buddy, the seal, he said, um, what do, what do predators have that prey do not? And he said, predators bear their teeth. And mm-hmm. so when you're just even smiling and looking back at someone, you're telling that predator that you are at the same energetic level to them yeah. and that, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm here and the teeth <laughs> energetically send back a, a, physiological response like okay this isn't a weak person sure but there's a lot of stuff like you know they say like there's a lot going on with encounters yeah. it's it's funny um it's funny that you say that because because yeah the, the first thing that came up is like you know if it's an aggressive dog don't smile at it mm. <laughs> it's, it's not a good thing to do because that is you know a response that they'll have to be like oh he's ready to fight and oh, but you think you're being oh 
Yeah. So it's like, oh, good dog, please, please. No, but it's like you're baring your teeth. So just like you said. Yeah. But what, what's funny, too, is that if someone's being aggressive towards you and you laugh and smile back at them, th- they take it as aggression. Mm. And so it, it's maybe it's a, a subconscious thing as well in our primitive brain picking up on this. Oh, he's baring his teeth. He's he's being rude. Like he's he's aggressive because I love to laugh at people that are being combative towards yeah. me. Like it, it's funny to me. I mean, it's the the, the, the human behavior aspect that's humorous. Um, because uh, to an extent we act like robots, we have mm. certain stimuli, we push some buttons in Lucas. Yeah, yeah. I say this, <laughs> I do this, you're going to respond in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's not something that people really like to, to soak in that we have such robotic responses to certain stimuli, but, um, but yeah, so the smiling and laughing at someone when they're upset only yeah. escalates it, it doesn't deescalate. So it's, right. uh. It's a funny thing to think about. That's fascinating. All these things are fascinating. (laughs) Are you are you still in law enforcement? Uh, Yes, I am. I am, and so I I'm still involved in teaching uh, interview classes, leadership classes, and um, like I said, when when I came back to law enforcement, um, I I came back at it with a different perspective, Mm. and so you know nothing was a big deal anymore because it wasn't my identity any longer. And so that's why, like so, some, of, some of the guys I've worked with over the last few years, it took them a while to get used to how I can laugh stuff off. Mm. And, and like I said, it doesn't, at first it does not deescalate. If someone's mad and they're yelling, you know, uh, profanities at me and I laugh at them, it just kind of riles them up for a little yeah. bit right. and so because they try harder. Right? right. But then at some point they realize, Oh, I, I can't do anything to bother this guy. Right. And so they self deescalate. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting psychological trick when, when you don't respond to people's triggers, eventually they give up yeah. <laughs> rather than be like, Oh, I know I can push Lucas's button. If I say this, yeah. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Oh, now I'm going to, now I'm going to try this one. So it's, Dude, which is where emotional intelligence comes into play. Yes. And, and but we, just, my buddy who might listen to this, he didn't say like laugh back at the threats. He's saying that most people's response is to turn their heads and oh, not yeah. look at them. But he said, look at him, acknowledge, don't like cheesy grin, but like, no, look I'll laugh. Like, I'll laugh at somebody. <laughs> Someone today would- is going and trying and laughing at some threat. <laughs> Like you said to laugh at him. I didn't say to laugh at him. I just said, bear your teeth to them. <laughs> smile to them. <laughs> oh. But I was, I was having, so the second part that you brought up there, I, I was actually having that conversation yesterday, I think, because most people, when they do feel threatened, they turn away. They don't look at yeah. somebody. Yeah. That's the number one way to become a victim. Yep. I was telling some stories where in my life I've been, I've almost been mugged multiple times in my life. Mm. And um, people say I'm paranoid or they're like, no, who would mug you? Cause I'm 6'3", 245 pounds. And they're like, who would mug you? And I'm like, four dudes in a convenience store might try to mug me. You know, uh, this one story I think about, but every time it's, it's, I've thought it was about to happen. I stared the guy right in the eye and I said, how's it going, man? You doing, you doing all right today? And normally they would just, they wouldn't even respond because their, their OODA loop is thrown off. Right. So they're like, Oh, he's looking at, I got to go. And then they just wander off. And, and that's not a normal response. If it was just a normal person in a store that I said hi to, right. they would have had some response. 
But this guy's so keyed up thinking about what he's about to do to me that when I say something to him and say, hi, I see you, that it throws him off that he's just got to go wander off somewhere. So it's psychology is interesting to me. I love it, dude. Humanity is interesting, man. People choosing in, you know, from the spiritual side, um, there's all this narrative about souls and souls choosing into. So we chose everything that we've gone through. We could see mm. what we were going to experience and not only what we were going to experience, but the impact and ripple that, um, that we would make. And some people chose to jump into the suit of predator or violator or, and they're doing a good job experiencing the fullness of it. Mm-hmm. And some people like you um, and many others have chosen to be the sheepdogs um, to, to say, no wolf, not any further. <laughs> no, thank it you. A, it is an interesting thing too. Cause I, I think back and I remember, cause you know, growing up, well, I, I didn't get along with my sister very much, but um, I never let anyone else pick on her except me. Mm. And so it was like, yeah. I remember multiple times, like, because we went to the same school. She was a couple years younger than me. And if I ever saw someone, you know, uh, picking on her, I'm like, dude, you messed up, yeah. you know? And, and, like, and now it's my turn to handle that, even though I may not really enjoy being around my sister. Like, we didn't get, like I said, we did not get along growing up. Um, but it was still my duty to yeah. protect her, no matter how young I was. I, man, I, I rem- it, remember at least second grade, maybe younger, like doing, uh, fending somebody off. That's not something that you are taught, right? That's just like ingrained into who you are as a person. So that's right. You chose an interesting idea. It is. It is that the, the soul contract stuff's really fascinating when it, so I grew up in Christianity and, uh, Catholic and evangelical mix. And, um, I never heard about soul, like, maybe the word soul I could tell you, but I never, it was all about spirit, everything spirit, your human spirit, sure. human spirit. Um, but then I started um, studying with a rabbi um, a Jewish family. And, and uh, so I started studying every week with this Hasidic rabbi and he was talking about the soul and, and the Hebrew word for soul is neshama and Genesis chapter two, it says, and God breathed into man and man became a living soul. And so the breath of God is our soul. And it's like, and we have this short time. And what did David say? He says, our life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little bit and then vanisheth away. It's like that breath mm. in and we got to come back and we're going to say, Hey, this is what I did with that breath for that gift that I was given. So I started learning about the soul, but then I started going in deviating from religion, quote unquote, and going in the spiritual path and really learning about the soul. And that's where I heard this soul contract, um, concept and man it's fascinating it's like uh because someone i went to this emotional intelligence program how you and i got connected through johnny is through the kind of this path this world but this gal grabbed my head after this one weekend you know just to have someone grab your head it's like you know and i she brought me close (laughs) she looked me dead in the eyes and she and we didn't talk about God. There was no concept, no conversation of soul. There was no spiritual component of this emotional intelligence workshop. And she grabbed my head and she brought me forward. And she said, God asked your soul, would you do anything for me? And your soul said, yes. 
So he sent you into that family for you to experience everything you've experienced so that you could relate and help people heal and all this stuff. I'm like, I was bawling because I've always loved God. I've always had a deep love of God, but it was always in a victim mindset. It was like, these things happen to me. You know, I got to prove that I'm good enough, smart enough. And it was always this like, or living, I'm either this or I'm that. And I don't want to be sure. this any longer. So I better be that. And when the identity gets ripped away in this, well, shit, what's left that, and I don't, you know, it's a mess. And so that's where yeah. all that stuff. But when that person said that to me, I'm like, man, that's a, that means nothing that we've experienced a, we can't overcome. We can't step through. We can't heal from, we can't, what was your word? Um, I wrote it down. Uh, not, I said healthier, but you said, um, not bad, good or bad, but you said more. Oh, useful. 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 Yeah. 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 Yeah, We could choose the more useful way. Man, that's just a powerful mindset to break people out of that or living. Yeah. I like that, man. I just dig, I dig everything you're doing, man. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you. Um, what have you seen the work you're doing or how have you seen the work you're doing with other law enforcement, uh, officers out there? Have you seen like, when, when does the light bulb kind of click on for them? Man, you know, it it takes a little while. Um, cops are a a different breed. And so I laugh because normally we put on like a a three or a five day class, you know, when it's, like I said, either the leadership class or the interview class. And, and when I get up there to talk about emotions and I'm like, Hey guys, today we're talking about emotions. Oh man. They, they look at me like I'm stupid. They're like, Hey buddy, you're in the wrong room. You need to go down the hall. We don't talk about emotions. That is the last thing we talk about. Right. And, um, luckily I, I have a little bit of street cred, you know, I've been SWAT, been detective, been all these different things. Plus, plus I, my stature helps out. You know, if someone that's 6'3", 240 can talk about emotions, if they're like, all right, if Justin can talk about emotions, maybe we can talk about emotions yeah. too. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, it, it takes a couple days to crack that nut, you know, cause it's like going through the process and showing them the techniques. Um, I, I think the biggest part is, is showing the science behind it mm. and how this works and how it's a useful tool um, not just in the workplace, but at home mm. and, and using it with your, your spouse and your kids and every person you come in contact with. Mm. Um, I used to be one of those guys that didn't talk to anybody. Mm. Like I was like, Oh, I'm good alone. I'm the, I'm the lone wolf. I don't, I don't need anybody's help. I, I don't like people. Right. <laughs> we, we've all heard people say that stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that used to be me. Mm. Well, now after going through this transformation and, and realizing that, we have to practice these soft skills every day yep. in order to keep them sharp. Now I talk to everybody yeah. and, and my girlfriend jokes cause she gives me crap. Cause I'll, if, if we get in an Uber somewhere, I'm going to know the Uber driver's life story before we get to our destination. And, and it might only be a six minute ride. And so it's like, I'm talking to everybody, people at the grocery store, the clerk in the gas station, the waiter, the waitress, like, and for me, it, it's, it's multi-purpose, right? I'm, I'm keeping my edge sharp, you know, keeping my skills ready to go. And also sometimes it's humorous. It's like, I'll show off sometimes I'll be having dinner with a friend of mine. I'm like, what do you, what do you want me to find out about the waiter without asking directly? Hmm. 
And so we all strike up, strike up a conversation and I will get the information without asking the question directly. So it's to me, some of it's humorous, but really the main objective there is to, is to continually practice these skills over and over again. Um, because you have to practice your skills when they don't count. Right. So when it comes time to you needing them, you're ready, you're prepared. Yeah. That's so, I think the you rise to your level of training. Exactly. People exactly. Not train. And that's what happened. Yeah. I used to, so I owned an ad agency for, for 10 years with full employees, the whole, whole thing. And one of the things we did is internal communication for companies, help the executives communicate. So the guys that couldn't just eloquently speak or inspire their employees, we set up a thing where we'd create this TV show for them and send it to their employees. One of the things I learned is people are hired for hard skills. They're fired for lack of soft skills. Yes. <laughs> and that is like, Oh yeah, you can do this. Cool. Uh, yeah. And do I somewhat, you know, can I tolerate you? Cool. But sure. then no, you're a real asshole and I'm going to have to fire you. You can't communicate at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're out of here. <laughs> exactly. And uh, that was, that was something striking for us to really help with companies, but even my own employees, like I, I can't mm. tell you how many soft skills I had to let people go because couldn't get along with, you know, they kept causing issues in the workplace. Like we're adults. Can you not, you know, but no, it's their soft skills that they lacked and, and well, I you lack know this soft is, skills. Who, who, we all have lacked soft skills, yeah, right? It's just we got exactly. to be intentional and in learning them. It, it's uh, just fascinating. But there's so many, there, there's studies out there now that show that successful people have a higher emotional intelligence than they do IQ. So it's, it used to be, oh, your IQ, great, you're going to be successful. No, that's, that's not it. It's all in your emotional intelligence or your EQ, your emotional quotient, because we also know the witty guy that never graduated college that's successful as hell because he can talk to anybody. He can make a deal with anybody. <laughs> he's, right. he's the guy that's selling ice to Eskimos, right? Yeah. You know, but it's, that's his emotional intelligence. That has nothing to do with his IQ. Right. And um, you think about all, all the successful people out there. They're like, I surround myself with the really smart people. I don't have to be really smart. I just need to know how to build a team together and, and, yeah. and, and have the ideas. So it's the IQ. I've known a lot of guys that are super intelligent, super book smart, but they can't communicate with the darn. So it's like, how successful can you really be? Right. Um, not, not that much. Not that successful. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, was that rhetorical? Did you want me to answer that? <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you came on, brother. And I'm really thankful no. to have you just in my world and appreciate just everything that you're doing. And, and I'm glad, you know, the, this is how it is. The ripple effect that we get to make Johnny introduced me to you, you and I connect mm -hmm. you met my brother. You're See, that wasn't even directly from you. That was the weird thing that it was like a ripple that came out and then s came back in another way and, and met your brother. And I'm like, dude, I wasn't even introduced to you by your brother. It was somebody else. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's cool, man. It's, and then Kubler, <laughs> when you connect with Matt Kubler, that's going to mm -hmm. be a good one too. And yeah, and I'm just I'm thankful for you, brother. And thanks for everything that you're doing. And and you're what you what I would summarize you as is someone who serves others. Whether it was going to be through president or an attorney <laughs> or uh, law enforcement, or now training and and coaching 
it's a life of service and it's beautiful. And I just honor you for that. And thank you. Well, thank I, I appreciate that, Lucas. So thank you. I'm, I'm glad I could come in here and share with your audience, man. So Dude, and if we it. ever meet in person, I'm 6'3", 240 as well. So we will collide. Hey, there you go. Hug like two mountains <laughs> <That's> colliding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, man, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, oh, before we even go, like, how can people follow you, find you, and then sure. talk about the summit? Yeah. So, yeah, the summit's the biggest thing I've been working on recently. You can find information about it at summit.confidenceunchained.com. Um a lot of great speakers. I think we've got close to 30 different speakers. Lucas is going to be one of the speakers at the summit. Super excited to share all that. Lot amazing insight that, that's going to be shared with this. So it's a three-day event, February 25th through the 27th. It's a free event to sign up. Um, I'm super excited to share it with everyone. And I know if you if you if you don't walk away with some kind of value off of the summit, you are on mute the whole time. I, it's like, it's, yeah. it's impossible. Um, other ways to get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, either under my name, Justin Atherton, or by Confidence Unchained. And uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me, guys. Awesome. And I will put all those links in the show notes. And, um, and it's is, the summit's coming up this week. So make sure everyone yeah. sign up. Get get a get on this and let's increase our EQ. Yeah. And maybe our IQ at the same time. There you go. Both. <laughs> a little bit of both. You gotta do That's both. Right. You, you can't right. go one direction only. Uh, it's the and awesome, brother. Yes. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you go find Justin. And if you're interested in that summit, go sign up for that. I think it's gonna be really powerful and hear from a lot of powerful men. Brothers and sisters. If you are, the, first of all, a lot of energy has been swirling the last couple of weeks and coming up and, and Mercury was in retrograde, which I'm learning more about on, on how all that alignment works. But I know that a lot of shadow work has come up for me. Um, things resurfaced and thankfully they did so I could heal more, process more, overcome more, stand more. And I know a lot of people, because I've heard from a lot of, a lot of you are going through the same thing. So Everything in its right timing, everything is divinely happening for your highest good. Everything, everything to trust and surrender and simply be in this now moment is going to be your best way to not only enjoy where we are going, but to navigate the presence within you and really release all the angst, all the anxiety, all the fear, so you can receive love, receive gratitude and joy in the power that you are intended to walk in. So keep doing the work. And I'm proud of each and every one of you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. My name is Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for listening. For support in your journey, go to my website, lucasmack.com.